So welcome to the fourth Sunday of Advent. What an amazing season it is as we journey together toward Christmas. This word Advent comes from a Latin word that means coming. And so we use these weeks leading up to Christmas as an opportunity for us to anticipate the coming of Jesus, God's Son, the Messiah, the Savior, and Lord of the world. Advent is a season of great anticipation, and I'm delighted that you're with us today as we continue on this journey. It's a journey of the heart and soul, but it's also a journey that will realign our expectations and experience of the Christmas season. It's a journey in which we are discovering the traditional Advent themes of hope, peace, joy, and love brought to us in and through Jesus Christ. So far on this journey, we have discovered how hope, peace, and joy are at the heart of Christmas. Today, our focus will be on how love is at the heart of Christmas. We Americans spend a lot of money at Christmas. <laughs> Even with rising inflation, retail sales from November 2023 through January 2024 are projected to top $1 trillion this year. Well, while that number is a little bit mind-blowing, here's another number for you. $140 billion. That's how much we Americans spent on our pets this past year. $140 billion, which leads me to one question. Why? <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I love my dogs just as much as the next person. But $140 billion for pets that really just cause us a lot of trouble. <laughs> we walk them, we clean up after them, we vacuum up their hair, we bathe them, we take allergy pills because of them, we apologize to the neighbors for them. I mean, really, our pets ought to be paying us. <laughs> but we spend our hard-earned money and our valuable time caring for them. It's not because of anything, really, that they have done for us, but we just simply love them. Now, I admit that this may not be an exact comparison by any means, but this example does, I think, start us down the path of recognizing some things about God's love for us. Hmm. So let me ask you to consider several questions as we begin today. How do you perceive God's love for you? You ever feel like you need to earn or merit God's love? And when you disobey God and you sin, do you ever think that God must certainly love you less at that moment? Have you even wondered at times if God's love was meant for you? Let's dive deeply into the love of God as we explore a love that caused him to enter our world through his son, Jesus, that first Christmas. 
That love, I think, is best summarized in the beloved verse, John 3, 16. In fact, let's read this verse out loud together. Would you read it with me? For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Now, perhaps we don't usually think of that as a Christmas verse, but look a little closer. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. That's the first Christmas gift. And that's what Advent is all about. His one and only Son, Jesus. For God so loved the world, that's you and me. He loved you and me. Why? Because we deserved it? No. Because we earned it? No. He gave His one and only Son, that's the first and the greatest Christmas gift, in spite of us. Paul put it this way, Romans 5 and verse 8, God put His love on the line for us by giving His Son in sacrificial death while we were of no use whatever to Him. Love is at the heart of Christmas. So then, how does God really love us? Well, earlier I asked you to turn in your Bible to Ephesians chapter 3. So follow along now in your Bible as I read verses 17 through 19. Ephesians chapter 3, we're actually going to pick it up in the middle of verse 17. Paul writes, And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Don't miss those words. To grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. As I see it, God's love through his, the gift of His Son, Jesus, is four-dimensional. Number one, God's love is wide enough to include everyone. God's love is wide enough to include everyone. Again, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world. That's Everyone. That's each and every person. That's you and me. There isn't anyone anywhere who isn't included in God's love. Psalm 145 and verse 17 tells us, The Lord is loving towards some He has made. Is that what it says? No, it says, The Lord is loving toward most that He has made. Is that what it says? No, yeah, it says, The Lord is loving toward all He has made. God's love is wide enough to include everyone, young or old, male or female, rich or poor, black or white, good or bad, lovely or unlovely. You think about that cast of characters at the very first Christmas. They didn't bring uh, a lot of into the scene to put them in what I would call the most lovable box. <laughs> And they were a bewildered, young, average, and humble, engaged couple, a band of smelly, outcast shepherds, a group of foreign stargazers. Dig a little deeper behind the bathrobes and the kid animal costumes of our typical Christmas pageant scenes, and you get the picture. So where would you have fit into the scene on that Bethlehem night so long ago? Better question. Where do you find yourself right now? 
today in this season of Advent. No matter where you are on your life's journey, God's love is for you. The Apostle John wrote, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down His life for us. And so I must point over here to the manger and the cross. Somebody asked me, what's that about? It's because they go together. You cannot separate the cradle from the cross. The story of Jesus' birth is fulfilled in the story of Jesus' death. We ask Jesus, how much do you love me? This much? And Jesus says, no. I love you more than that. And we ask Jesus, do you love me this much? And Jesus says, no. I love you more than that. And we ask Him, well then, do you love me this much? And Jesus says, no. I love you much, much more than that. I love you this much. And spreading out His arms on the cross, He died in your place and in mine. And friends, it wasn't the nails that held Jesus to that cross. It was His love for us. That's how wide God's love is. It includes everyone. It includes you and me. Even though we did not in any way deserve or earn it. Let's read 1 John 3 and verse 1 out loud together. Would you read this with me? See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. I love that word, lavished. <laughs> what a great word. God has lavished each and every one of us with His love. And if we will receive His love, if we will receive His Son, then we will be called children of God. So first, God's love is wide enough to include everyone. Number two, God's love is long enough to be everlasting. God's love is long enough to be everlasting. Jeremiah 31 verse 3 is such a wonderful verse. God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Isaiah 54 verse 10 puts it this way, Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken. We sang about it earlier in our worship service today. Your love never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out on me. You see, human love may dry up, but God's love is everlasting. It's unfailing. It never gives up. It never runs out. It will endure forever and ever. 26 times in Psalm 136, the psalmist repeats the words, His love endures forever. His love endures forever. His love endures forever. 26 times. You think David was trying to get a point across? God's love for us endures forever. It's patient, persistent, persevering. Isn't it good news that God never gives up on you? No matter what you do, His love will never run out on you. He loves you on your good days and He loves you on your bad days. His love is not conditional to your response. 
It is unearned, undeserved, and unconditional. 1 John 4, verse 8 and verse 16 both tell us God is love. He always, always loves you because love is who He is. Just receive His unfailing love for you. And so second, God's love is long enough to be everlasting. Number three, God's love is high enough to reach everywhere. God's love is high enough to reach everywhere. Psalm 36 verse 5, Your love, O Lord, reaches to the heavens. Let's read what the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 8 and verse 39 out loud together. Would you read this with me? Neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. I love that verse. Quite simply, there's no place that we can go where God's love does not reach. We can never ever be separated from God's love. David summed it up this way, Psalm 139. O Lord, You have examined my heart, know everything about me. You know when I sit or stand, when far away, You know my every thought. Every moment, You know where I am. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it. You both proceed and follow me. This is too glorious, too wonderful to believe. I can never be lost to Your Spirit. I can never get away from my God. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the place of the dead, you are there. If I try to hide in the darkness, the night becomes light around me. For even darkness cannot hide from God. How precious it is, Lord, to realize that you are thinking about me constantly. I can't even count how many times a day your thoughts turn toward me. All I can say is, wow. You know, Christmas is often about getting together with family and friends. But what happens when Christmas is over and the family and friends are gone? Or for some of us who have lost a loved one in the past year, what can possibly fill that empty void? And the fact is, sooner or later we are separated from those that we love. Sometimes it's a matter of distance. Sometimes it's a matter of divorce. Sometimes it's a matter of death. But if we are Christians, we will never be alone because we know that we are loved by God and nothing, absolutely nothing, can separate us from His love. And so third, God's love is high enough to reach everywhere. Number four, God's love is deep enough to solve everything. God's love is deep enough to solve everything. David wrote in Psalm 40, verses 11 and 12, My only hope is in your love, for problems too big for me to solve are piled higher than my head. Can you relate to those verses or what? <laughs> so often we seem to be in over our heads, don't we? What a blessing to know that God's love is not shallow. No matter what problem we may be facing, even if we're in over our heads, God's love is deeper still. Now, if you've never read the book or watched the movie, The Hiding Place, I encourage you 
to do so. It's the story of Corey and Betsy Ten Boom. They were Christians who during World War II hid Jews in their home to protect them from the Nazis. When they were discovered, they were taken to a concentration camp themselves. Corey came out alive, but Betsy was killed while in the camp. At one point in the book or the movie, after they had witnessed one atrocity after another, after another, after another, Corey says, exasperated to Betsy, this place is the pit of hell. And I have never forgotten, nor will I ever forget, Betsy's reply. There is no pit so deep that God's love is not deeper. Some of us may have hit bottom this morning. Maybe you've hit bottom financially. Maybe you've hit bottom emotionally. Maybe you've hit bottom physically. Maybe you've hit bottom relationally. Maybe you've hit bottom spiritually. And right now you're kind of thinking to yourself, I'm about to go under. So let me ask you this question. Where is God when we hit bottom? Read Deuteronomy 33 and verse 27 out loud with me. Let's read this together. The eternal God is your refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. Don't miss that all-important word there, underneath. When we hit bottom, guess who is underneath the bottom? God. Wow. Just let go and fall into His everlasting arms of love. Just let Him catch you when you have nowhere else to turn or go. He loves you and He can help you solve whatever crisis, I mean whatever crisis, that you may have in your life. 1 John 4 verses 18 and 19 assures us we need have no fear of someone who loves us perfectly. His perfect love for us eliminates all dread. If we are afraid, it shows that we are not fully convinced that He really loves us. Simply put, when we understand and are fully convinced of God's perfect love for us, we know that we can trust Him no matter what the situation or circumstance in our life may be at the moment. And so forth, God's love is deep enough to solve everything. So, how much does God love us? Well, Paul's prayer here in Ephesians 3 is that we will grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Yes, God's love is four-dimensional. It's wide enough to include everyone. It's long enough to be everlasting. It's high enough to reach everywhere. And it is deep enough to solve everything. The heart of Christmas. In our fourth Advent lesson today, we've talked about how love is at the heart of Christmas. As we wrap up today's sermon, let me offer you two just practical conclusions for your own personal application. Number one, we must know God's love. We must know God's love. In verse 18 of today's text, Paul's prayer is that we would grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And then in verse 19, Paul continues his prayer that we would know this love that surpasses knowledge. You see, it's not enough to, to just know about God's love. We must know God's love. There's a big difference. 
It's a matter of about 18 inches, in fact. It really is. From here to here. There's a lot of people who know in their head about Jesus and His love for them. But they don't know Jesus and His love for them in their heart. Folks, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to miss heaven by 18 inches. Because they know it up here. They don't know it down here. And there is a huge difference between head knowledge and heart knowledge. And so, i got to ask you, do you know God's love? Are you personally experiencing how wide and long and high and deep His love is for you in your heart and in your life? We must know God's love. Second, we must show God's love. We must show God's love. Once we truly know God's love, we simply must show it to others. Now, listen to what the Apostle John wrote. He said, this is how we've come to understand and receive love. Christ sacrificed His life for us. This is why we ought to live sacrificially for others. Let us continue to love each other since love comes from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and experiences a relationship with God. The person who refuses to love doesn't know the first thing about God because God is love. So you can't know Him if you don't love. So second, got to ask you, are you showing God's love? Do you sacrificially live for others, as John says here in these verses that we just read. You might say, well, how do I do that? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. Let me give you one example. I'm just going to keep this real simple. How about clean water? Hmm. You live sacrificially for others? Well, how about clean water? I've been actually praying this last week that as each of us goes to the sink and fills up a glass of nice pure water, we lift that glass to our mouth to take a nice sip of cold water. Or as we unscrew for many of us, the lid off of that bottle that we paid an enormous amount for that we shouldn't have paid that much for that has been through all the filtering process and the RO and all that kind of stuff. And we're lifting that bottle of water to our lips to take a sip to thirst, uh, quench our thirst I am praying that, bam, it'll hit you. That there are 748 million people in this world today who can't do that. They have no access to safe, clean water. And we can make a difference. We can live sacrificially for them. Only takes 20 bucks to really provide water for a person for the rest of their life that's clean and safe and pure. We can't solve it for 748 million people, no, but we can solve it for a few people. We can make a difference. And if we really love like God loves, if we're showing God's love for others, if we're living sacrificially for others, then let's show it. And I'm just giving you one practical example. 
of how that might be done. Clean water. Think about it. We must know God's love and we must show God's love. That's, those are the challenges that I want to leave with us today from this lesson on love. Let's pray. Oh God, I just want to pray the same prayer that Paul prayed in our text today. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Oh God, may that be true in our lives. Help us to know, to grasp this love in a new way, a greater way today than maybe we have before. God, I would pray for anybody who's listening to this message that knows about your love, that knows about Jesus, but doesn't know your love, doesn't know Jesus personally, intimately, individually. May this be the day that they embrace Jesus Christ, your greatest love gift ever given, that they would know Him personally like they've never known Him before. May we all take this love and share it with those around us, we pray. Let us live sacrificially for others, as John says. Showing your love to every person that we meet, I pray. May love be the defining mark of our lives for you. That's what you said it was. By this, Jesus, you said, by this, all people will know that you're truly my disciples if you love them like I love you. Let us live up to that mark, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.